What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to Sports Yak NY with your hosts, Matt Coster and Chris Shea. Dylan Milo is not here today, but we do have a, a new guest on the show. Not really a guest. I don't know what to call you, Pat. I'm not going to lie. Just call me a voice of a generation. So we have the new voice of a generation. I think we're going to refer to him as our podcast pledge for now on, uh, Pat Comer. Uh, biggest thing, before we get into the show... I do want to talk about just the basic NFL news this week. Um, one, you got OBJ going to the Rams. I'm happy he went to the Rams. Uh, I do think OBJ is meant to be on the Browns. Uh, any guy who likes Cleveland Steamers, like, he should be playing on the Browns. Um, but I'm just happy he didn't go to Vegas for obvious reasons. I don't have to get into that. I just think OBJ in Vegas, that's an accident waiting to happen. It's a dangerous situation. and. Yeah. I really like him for the Rams. I'm a big Matthew Stafford fan. I've liked him since he joined the Lions. And I think he's going to have a good time there. I think, I mean, with Robert Woods recently tearing his ACL, they needed that new number two receiver. Even now, in my opinion, Robert Woods is number one going into the season. Cooper Cup has shown that he's that number one guy for Matthew Stafford. And I'm excited to see what OBJ can do with his new team. Yeah, Robert Woods was tearing it up previous to he like got hot before tearing the ACL uh, I do have him in like one of my fantasy teams um and then you also have Cam Newton back in Charlotte he's back playing with the Panthers I'm not gonna lie too from like I mean they played insane today that conference is so much fun to watch did they steal the Saints offense they must have done something right because in, it was insane watching. I mean, P.J. Walker, he played pretty decent. And I don't even know if I want to go off their offense because the, because it was exciting seeing Cam Newton back-to-back goal on the goal line, just do his things, get mm-hmm. two touchdowns, one rushing, one passing. But their defense just demolished Colt McCoy. And yeah. this is a guy who, I mean, he stepped up big for the Giants last year. You know, he got them a win against the uh, Seahawks, a big win. Although we didn't lead to the playoffs, it did like keep us in that like hunt, and they played really well. I mean, at the end of the day, it's not all Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins. That team was still eight and one going into that game, mm-hmm. and the Panthers showed that maybe there's a little bit left in their tank after a really bad last few performances when they started off the season so hot. Mm-hmm. Definitely, and like one thing too is like I just see like from watching the game today and like. I haven't seen this anywhere else, so a uh, fresh take right here. It was like Cam Newton was playing Taysom Hill's role, and P.J. Walker was Trevor Simeon, and like it looks like, it looked just like what the Saints have been doing for the past two seasons now. Uh, McCaffrey went off. McCaffrey had more yards than the entire uh, Arizona offense, which is just crazy. He's back. I love watching Christian McCaffrey. I hope he can stay healthy. That the AFC South, not a, I'm sorry, the NFC South is just electric to watch it's honestly it's it's, it's a storybook division mm-hmm. yeah I, i'm i'm excited that i thought carolina was gonna taper off um i mean like sam has just sucked after week three and as a jet fan i i did like sam but now that i just know like okay we did make the right decision getting rid of him because he cannot read the defense donald is just pick city he can't like i don't know what it is he just has he's outstanding athlete he just does not have the football IQ. Pat do you have a comment yeah the one thing I do have to say about Sam Darnold is that 
I was hoping to see it this time around too, that he is statistically the best quarterback in the NFL once his team is eliminated from the playoffs. He plays his best when you guys don't need him to win, and that's why you got to hate him. <laughs> yeah, no, he, he's great garbage, garbage time QB. Uh, actually, Kirk Cousins is a great garbage time QB. I'm not going to get into, like, the Vikings, but because I hate that fucking team. But <laughs> let, me, let me ask you this. I mean, Cam Newton just signed with the Panthers, just signed back, and obviously he didn't have that big of a role besides that red zone offense. Do you think they're going to stick with P.J. Walker, or do you think they were just Cam Newton wasn't ready for Matt Rule's offense, he wasn't ready with the playbook, and I think they might be giving him a bigger role in the coming weeks. I think he might take over that starting spot if he proves himself in practice. I just I wasn't that impressed by P.J. Walker. I mean, I don't – do I think P.J. Walker's the guy? No, but I do see P.J. Walker – P.J. Walker starting for the rest of these games, uh, or at least still like Newton, like reacquaints himself with the NFL. I love the game plan they went into today. I didn't think P.J. Walker played necessarily bad. I thought he, like, he was a role player. He did what he had to do. Cam did what he had to do. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change anything going into the next couple games. I wouldn't like, I just don't think it's good for Cam as a player to just throw him into that starting role as QB. I think if you have him playing, if he can prove himself doing what he's doing now, then maybe for like next season we can talk. You know, if he's going to stay the permanent guy there. But I would, I wouldn't change anything with PJ Walker. I think PJ Walker, let keep that game plan going. We'll see how it carries over into next week. But no, I, I wouldn't. I don't think that Kim has a shot at being the starter like next week. I think he needs to just he needs to get a feel for the NFL again. Yeah, I, I understand that. I really think he'll. I think they'll get more opportunities, and I think he'll have a bigger role than a Taysom Hill, where he's just kind of random. He'll get the ball, and he'll they'll have him run. Like he killed the Giants a few weeks ago, even though he won that game. He had we had one rushing touchdown that was pretty insane, and it's mind-boggling when you can use more than one quarterback and just have them perform like pretty well. I mean, I don't. I'm like you said, PJ Walker's not the guy. He probably won't not be the starter once they find their guy but it was an exciting game i really enjoyed watching it today definitely moving on now we're new york sports podcast so we're gonna go to new york sports mike white you were not a first round draft pick i don't know why he said that um i mean thank you for like getting me excited about football for the past two weeks, but yikes, yikes. Four picks, just not a good game for the Jets. Um, any positive takeaways from this game? Not really. I thought the offense was abysmal. Um, I mean, Michael Carter, he did oh okay. Elijah Moore did like okay. I think those two have a bright future. Um, but yeah, Mike White, it was, it was fun for how long it lasted, but it's – it's definitely it's it's not. He should have stayed hurt. He's not getting his bag. Didn't um, didn't Joe Flacco throw a touchdown today? Yes, he did. I think it was to Elijah Moore. Was. Uh, yeah, they 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 pulled they pulled Mike White. I, you know what? The Jets were screwed from the beginning. Um, the Dolphins beating the Bill. No, I'm sorry. I keep saying the Dolphins. The Jaguars beating the Bills last week. The Bills are too good of a team. They're not going to lose 
two games in a row, and they're definitely not going to lose to the Jets following a loss to the Jaguars. So the Bills, they had their oh shit game. It wasn't going to come from the Jets. Um, I'm nervous now going into the Dolphins next week because Dolphins just pulled off a pretty good upset. I don't know. You know what? All I want for the Jets is five wins. I feel like a team with five wins, you know, there's something to build off of. And I am doubting we are going to get that. Another thing I just want to like, I have, I have nothing to even really say about the Jets at this point, but the AFC East, damn, is always so far from ever winning the AFC East. Bills are a great team. I'm not going to take anything away from them. They're a good team. They're a good football team. But I do think that the Patriots are still the kings of the AFC East, and they are going. They are going to take it back. Jones today was insane. Mac Jones was looking like I don't want to say I don't want to say it. I don't want to say it, but yeah, they got their guy again in New England. They got their quarterback. It's going. To, it's going to be a long twenty years again for the Jets. Uh, it was there was some of these passes he was making, like he was stepping up, like he was a veteran quarterback, and I just. I, I do think, I think when it comes down to it, I think the Patriots, you know, they're going to take it. I, I know, and I just hope, I mean, listen, the Jets would be nice if you can just get a win against the Dolphins. Like, I'll take that at this point, but it's, yeah, yikes. It's just, it's it's big yikes in the AFC well, East. Uh, is Tua back, or is it still Jacoby Brissett? Um, I believe it still might be Brissett, and I'm, okay. Pat, I'm sorry. Um, the thing was, so yesterday, or not yesterday, when the Dolphins played, it was Brissett starting, but then he started not doing too hot, and then Tua got their offense going. I really think that those Alabama quarterbacks right now, those young guys are really lighting it up, which scares the living crap out of me because half of them are, you know, in our conference, and we got to play them twice a year, so that's going to be fun to watch. I like Tua, and I think his value as a quarterback was dropping. And although I didn't get to watch the game, I really think – I mean, if if he was able to kind of show that he had – he's still, like, the guy they drafted and he has some potential, let him play. I mean, it just makes it worse for the Jets at the end of the day if a guy like that starts to heat up. And like I said, if the Giants play him soon, and I saw that as an easy win from the Giants when we were – I mean, we're still not doing great, but I think I'd rather play Jacoby Brissett than Tua because you never know with a young quarterback. Yeah, I mean, Tua, I was a doubter. I was thinking, you know, Dolphins going to be looking for another quarterback. Am I, like, I, I'm not saying I'm sold on Tua. Like, I, I still kind of think, like, he isn't the guy. But, I mean, listen, if he, if he starts – you know, striking a new chord with the offense and starts turning things around there in Miami. Yikes. Like, just to have a conference where you're going up against, like, you know, three franchise quarterbacks, it's just the Jets' future is screwed. I'm I'm starting to hope that Woody Johnson will just sell the team because um, I've tried to bandwagon another, bandwagon in other places. I cannot. Um, my roots are implanted into the green, but – yeah, it's just not looking good. Like, I just – I don't see a future. I don't see a future being built in there in New York. I just – I don't know. I'm, I, I'm down bad on the Jets right now. I think it's hard because the Bills, obviously the top team right now. Great offense, great defense. You're seeing potential from the Patriots. They're competing. They're beating some good teams. They have a decent defense. I mean, I think – The Dolphins have a good defense. They have a good team. 
they're actually building something, and I think that's where you already have Zach Wilson injured. Now you don't know if Mike White could be the guy, and it's kind of like, what are you doing here? It's like, how much longer do you want to wait? Because you know it's going to be another year of trying to get the right guy or giving Zach Wilson another year. And it's a scary – it's always scary for a team having to rebuild because you never know what these young guys are going to do. And I I don't know. I know I want to kind of get off like this – this um not this Jets train, but I want to go back to Sam Darnold because of obviously him not playing. And in his last six starts, he was one – he was one – one five with um a, with ten interceptions and four touchdowns and his passer rating was fifty six point four eight. Yeah. Not good at all. Obviously he's not starting anymore. And I want to bring that back to where maybe there is a little bit of potential as we go to the trade they made. They um at this point, Matt, do you think the Jets won that trade? Oh yeah, I do. I, I think you know, Sam, he got his second shot, uh, second shot playing for the Panthers. I was happy to see him. Like, yeah, I mean, like, you have it. We'll get to that later. But, like, you, you said, like, week three, Darnold was, like, oh, my God. He was, like, outstanding and stuff for the first three weeks. He's proven that, like, he's just not going to be – like, he, he's not going to be a star in the NFL. He struggles reading defenses. And, you know what I mean? Like, I think other guys are going to start getting their shots at places. I think you'll see Mitch Trubisky – you know, eventually get a second shot. I think Darnold blew it. I think the Jets, like, did win the trade. It's also nice to see, though, like, I, I, I like Sam Darnold. I don't want to see him struggle, but it's nice to realize that, like, okay, no, Sam just wasn't the guy, and it wasn't the Jets that killed his career. He just actually wasn't that quarterback. Because, I mean, if Sam were to, like, take Carolina, like, you know, like, and just, like, make him a powerhouse in the AF, uh, NFC South, then you got to start thinking, like, oh, my God, it's the Jets' organization that is killing players. It's kind of nice to see that maybe there's hope for Zach Wilson. It's not our organization just should, hey, shitting on everybody. Yeah, I mean, we, we are a New York sports podcast, and we'll talk basketball in a little while. But, I mean, at the end of the day, I would love if, – if Daniel Jones – I love Daniel Jones. If he ended up going to another team and we went with another guy, a different direction, and he did well, I'd be happy for him. But then you're always thinking back, like, this guy could have been our guy and maybe we could have given him more time. But also, it's not a bad thing to know that it's not your organization. Because look at even Christophs Porzingis. That was your two-time All-Star, I believe. And you trade him for a bag of peanuts. And now he's not the same guy anymore, riddled by injuries. And at the end of the day, the Jets, in my opinion, won the trade. They got a six-round pick in 2021, this upcoming draft. And then the following one, they have a second and fourth rounder. So I really think the Jets are building up draft cap. And they're, at one point, they just got to find that moment to spark, like, let's do this right now. Maybe the Bills aren't too hot going into a new season. We have the pieces, and we just need to go for it. Yeah, definitely. I think, like, it's just, you know, it all goes back to just drafting the right guys. I still have trust in a GM. Um, but, I mean, it comes down to, like, what it comes down to what we were talking before last podcast is just, I think this is with all New York sports, building a winning culture. And 
that's something that I think, you know, we got to dig deep in history. We got to search other teams. Like you said before, Tampa had that winning culture. Like that, they didn't always have that something that that city built up. They just need to find that. I think New York sports in general needs to find that. I think the biggest problem with New York sports is it's just, I mean, I shouldn't say all New York sports. It's with the Jets, with the Knicks. It's like, they just have horrible management. The Dolan suck. Woody Johnson sucks. Uh, I mean, look at the Islanders. The Islanders, once once the ownership changed, that team struck, that team completely changed. They got the right guys in the office. They got a good coach, good GM. And it's just it's such a big turnaround from, you know, 10 years ago. I think it is a lot about culture, as I said last week, because the Mets didn't have a great season and they came the team up like we're going to be the top guys in the NL East. The Yankees are really need to change it around. I want to talk on them more, especially with the winter meetings. They're pretty much the only team that you're really hearing about trying to get new players. And you're always going to hear that. The Knicks are starting to look a little bit better. It's just right now, they're still not winning games. They're trying to bring that culture around and they're not winning and they're not being as successful as the fans and how people perceive them to be going into the season. And like, like we were talking about, Tampa, they won a Super Bowl. Obviously, a lot of that leads to Tom Brady, but all they needed was one guy, and that team was ready to go. And the Lightning built up a team, and the Rays have a – they all have – the Rays have such a small salary cap compared to the Yankees and Mets, and they just find ways to win. They find the players who fit their system – and I think it's all about culture and it's all about the system you put together because look at the Yankees. They're all power hitters and it doesn't work, but the Rays will get a guy like G-Man Choi who was basically the Yankees didn't want him anymore. And he ends up be starting at first base for them in the World Series. And, he, and all the players that these teams get are durable and they're there to play and they do their job. And I just don't know... I hate saying that it's the bright lights in New York and the media that make players nervous and kind of kill their potential. I really just, I don't even know what to think about it sometimes because I just think it just, it's always injuries. It's always the management. It's always, we're doing something wrong that just kills the entire season. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And just, the last like thought I really have on the Jets before we move on is like Mike White when he had that Canton performance, you know, they said Zach Wilson was texting him every play, being like, dude, great job, great job. Just brown nosing the shit out of the organization. You think Zach Wilson's a little bit happy? Happy that Mike White did bad. I think he has to be. You know? He's made no money in this league. He's had no footing in this league. He's not done anything besides being drafted number two overall and being given the keys to the Jets' kingdom. And you can't be, you don't want to end up in that Josh Rosen role <laughs> yeah. where you find yourself, I'm going to be amazing. I'm a first-round quarterback. This is my time to shine. And you just end up nowhere a few years down the line, not making much money, not having, no one really cares about you anymore. It's a short, it's a short lifespan for players. Okay, so one thing I want to say is you're talking about Zach Wilson getting the keys to New York. Getting the keys to the Jets is like getting a key to the wrong door. They, 
you're not you're, they're not gonna build around you see what happened with Darnold they drafted like nine defensive players before they even drafted an offensive player under him in the first round and that offensive player Zach Wilson they're not going to work on the offense where we need to work on because I think also I think that it starts with the offense and then we can go into defense and talking about wing culture that what we were talking about I think that also needs to start with the fans because if you ask any Jets fan, any of us, we'll be like, we're good with five games. We're good with winning five games. That's our Super Bowl. Any other team with a great winning culture is because their fans expect it. We don't expect to win. We just expect to hopefully do okay. I think a lot of it with drafting is really finding the right guy and – I think when you get, it's either getting the positional need or getting the best player available. And it's really about just getting the right guy in the right position. Look at the Bengals. Everyone that entire going into the draft was, you got to select an O-line. You got to protect Joe Burrow. You got to protect Joe Burrow. And they take Jamar Chase, his buddy. He's a beast. He is, he looks so good. He reminds me, I think he is this year's Justin Jefferson. And he is going to have one hell of a career with his buddy from college. And I think the Bengals are just going to start building. They're going to get that O-line right, and they're going to be a good team. Yeah, I mean, I am a huge Joe Burrow um, fanboy. But I also think Joe Burrow may just be a freak of nature. Because, I mean, look at the hits that Joe Burrow takes. That team still needs an O-line. I mean, like, he's just – he's one tough motherfucker. I mean, I go back and I, like, still watch – I mean, I was an LSU fan. I still watch Joe Burrow's LSU highlights. The other day I was just watching the 2019 game against Alabama. Another thing, just complete side note, I was kind of saying before, talking about it with you guys. If you look at the people who played in that game who were, like, making plays, they are all studs in the NFL today. You know, Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow, of course. Um, McKinley is a great safety for the Giants. I mean, Jefferson's playing great that game. Uh, you got freaking um, – you even had Henry Ruggs swerving around the field. And, like, it just goes to show, like, I, like, I don't know where I'm getting on this tangent, but I think that the Jets, you know, there's other, there's other players – I don't know. I feel like the Jets draft from weird places. Like, I feel like if we should just look more towards SEC talent. <laughs> like, not BYU. It's just, I don't know. I like. I feel like a lot of our picks, like, why didn't we go for this guy over that guy and everything like that? Because the Jets, like, you know, people say this all the time. Like, I got to agree with it. It's like, we haven't had a franchise pick since Darrell Revis. Somebody who's just lasted in New York. And, like, I'm, like, are we watching the same college games? Like, I don't think it's hard to, like, see, like, where the talent is in college football. Okay, yeah. That's I, that's a big fear I have with Zach Wilson. It's, like, was BYU really, like, the high-level football we were watching? Well, it's almost like watching a Wake Forest game right now. Yeah. Watching anything in that and on the ACC. It's just – it's not fun. It's not fun to watch. They're not exciting. And you really don't see much talent coming out of that, coming out of those teams, coming into the draft. Like I said, I'm not a big college football fan. I don't watch it religiously. 
Um, so when it goes to going into the mock drafts, it really takes me to watch YouTube videos, watch what they're saying on ESPN, look up stuff, and really find out who's coming into the league. But I don't know if we want to keep going on this or if we want to start moving into the Giants. Uh, definitely, yeah, I definitely want to get off the Jets. Um, my closing thoughts, I'll just say again, like, the Jets are the worst thing to happen to New York involving a plane. And that's just where I'm going to leave it right now with this team. Uh, we can get into the Giants. So, yeah, I mean, Giants had a nice bye week. I'm sure Danny, you know, dipping his toes in the pool, you know, enjoying himself, having himself one hell of a week. The, the entire NFC East won this week. It's a little scary. I mean, we play the Bucks on Monday night on primetime. And like you just said, the Jets just got um, steamrolled by the Bills, who lost to the Jaguars last week. And Taylor Heineke just beat the Bucks, So it's a similar situation. Daniel Jones is 0-7 in primetime games, and he's, he's played well. We're, we haven't really been blown out in primetime. It just seems to never go our way. I mean, we had the one game against Washington – that um, I believe it was Dexter Lawrence went offsides when he should have just sat his fat ass on the line and didn't move for the field goal to be kicked. Um, you know, it's always it's always tough when you're watching your every rival in your division win, and you're just sitting there at home being like, "We gotta win. We gotta beat the Bucks next week. We gotta go beat Tom Brady, and kind of stay in in it." Um, a lot of injuries for the Giants still. I don't know after this bye week who will be back but when I was doing my research last week at least two weeks ago or a week ago obviously Andrew Thomas was out Blake Martinez, Jabril Peppers Saquon, Shepard um, Zimenez a, a lot of injuries Booker's was questionable after the last game and he played well he had I believe 99 yards rushing which is great for a backup running back. I didn't think we'd use him in the game plan that much. But one thing that scares me about the Giants is that they are an NFL low 41 offensive touchdowns since 2020. And if most people will know this, our offensive coordinator who took over in 2020 was Jason Garrett. And like I said, I still think he's trying to ruin the Giants organization. I hate his game plan for the most part because we don't win games. And I think our defense plays well besides getting to the quarterback right now. We are one of two teams to have a takeaway in every game this season. And I still – there's a lot of promise for the Giants. I don't think there won't ever be because we're trying to build a team that's competitive and we're losing close games. And I think it's easier to say that when you're in New York because everyone who listens to people talk about sports, like Stephen A., all of them, they always make sure they cover the New York sports, cover the Knicks, cover the Giants, Jets. And you kind of just are like, okay, we're still in it. If it was the if it was the Jaguars or the Texans, no one's really paying attention to them. Um, I don't know if you have any answers on this, but like I said, Devontae Booker had 99 yards. And one thing that I've been thinking of is what's the excuse for, for Saquon? He has 54 attempts for 195 five yards this season. He's obviously been a little injured, but 
what do you do with a guy like that? That is another number two overall pick who is shown he's a great NFL running back and has the potential, but is just not doing the same thing at things as McCaffrey. People drafted lower than him, but people who are deemed to be at the same level as him. So I'll just answer in general, like how we feel about drafting running backs. I feel like running backs on average, I think they last like three years in the NFL. And I mean, actually the average career in the NFL is three years. Running backs are just workhorses. A good running back may help you for a season, but it's just what I'm seeing in the NFL is you don't get running backs that last a long time anymore. I mean, like they have their, like a running back's prime is getting just quicker and quicker. Saquon, like, like you said, he's injury prone. I think, I don't think he's going to get any better. I think his ship has sailed, to be honest. Like, I don't see a future really for Saquon. And I know that might not be a popular take, but I look at, like, running backs, you know, when they have injuries like what Saquon had, like, they just don't come back. Todd Gurley never came back. Um, Like, it just, I don't know. I think running backs, I see, I mean, McCaffrey's tearing it up. He had a good game today. But I don't think McCaffrey's going to last that much longer because he's injury prone too. And just, these might be, like, hot takes, but I just... You know, I look at the Jets, and I'm, I like how we have, like, Michael Carter right now and stuff like that. We didn't, you know, spend a lot for the guy, and I think he could just, like, become that workhorse for a couple of years. But just drafting, like, you know, stud running backs in the first round, I just – I never think a running back would be a good investment. Well, you see that in a lot of the teams who have won recently. I mean, the Eagles had Jay Jay and Jordan Howard. The Buccaneers were using Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette. But you're right. You don't the running backs are slim to none, and when you find the right one, you think this is the guy. But injuries, just it's hard for me to give money to Saquon and keep him around because I really think he's a lethal part of the offense. But if he's not going to be on the field, does it doesn't really matter. My one, my one thing about taking running backs in the first round is you got to look at it like this, honestly. They're like okay-looking girls at a bar. You could get it. You just got to hit and quit it. They're not going to do that much after three years. That's all really I feel about them. Besides Adrian Peterson, who played today for the Titans, and I don't know why he's still playing. Maybe he um, gambles a little bit too much. But he is the one girl at the bar that uh, you might have to make a wife because he's like Frank Gore. They just stay around for a while. They're consistent. I mean, I would 100% make Adrian Peterson my wife. I think he's just a great parent to begin with. Exactly. Um, also, one thing I just want to get into, too, is Adrian Peterson. Don't know. Was he supposed to be on Dancing with the Stars? <laughs> was that, I heard that somewhere. I have no idea where. But, um, I mean, just ultimate football guy to just, you know, he get the call, say, I ain't going to dance, and just – suit up again with the titans um one thing i just like wanted to get at too just like involving like running backs how you're saying like you know um ronald jones and everything like that for like tampa bay and like how like they're a big part of the offense they're a big part of the offense but he's like running backs they're like the last thing that those teams got for those offenses those teams had the receiving core they had the quarterback they had a great O-line and like, I'm sorry, you can't win unless your O-line is good. Mm-hmm. 
And then the running backs came and put up big numbers because those offenses were in place. Yes, a talent, like I think the O-line has to be put in place before the running back comes because you saw that with the Jets and Le'Veon Bell. We couldn't use Le'Veon Bell because he was just blocking the backfield for Donald. Um, and they can put big, big numbers when the offense is working. And like, yes, a running game is important because you look at teams like the Rams and stuff like that. Like they're good. They're, and like Titans, when that play action's open, those quarterbacks and receivers end up putting big numbers. Your running back puts up big numbers. It's the biggest thing. But I just think that running back is not really the most important thing you need to draft. The rest of the offense needs to be addressed so that you can get a running back in there oh, to be yeah, successful. 100% because you can, I mean, if you can have the, like, look at the reason why um, Leonard Fournette and even Ronald Jones are able to have sometimes, like, break out kind of is because you have all those receivers who come in there, Tom could throw to them, and it kind of makes the defenses scared that I can't, I have to prevent the passing game and not blitz as much because. Why am I worried about – I'm not worried about the running backs as much as I'd be worried about Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. And that's all, That's what you said, that you can't – if you know that a team's passing offense is meh and you know that maybe they have a star running back, that's why, why – unless it's Derrick Henry, in my opinion, you're going to have an easy time basically getting these getting to these running backs and stopping the run game for an entire – for an entirety of the game. And maybe you want off a few passing yards, but that's not that's not your game plan. So with running backs, if you look at every past not every, but like the last five years, their past offense that won the Super Bowl, those running backs aren't getting paid over a million dollars. They are average running backs who are on great teams. And I feel like it like Matt said, you need to build an offense and worry about running back later. You, If you get the best o- offensive line in the world, I guarantee you I could rush for 2,000 yards behind them, and I can't run for shit. So also then, with the Giants, do you have anything else? Um, it's going to be a nerve-wracking game. <laughs> like I said, I would if there was any time for Daniel Jones to pick up his first one on prime time, I would love for it to be against Tom Brady because I've never been scared of the Patriots because I've never had to be scared of Tom Brady and the Patriots growing up like you have as a Jets fan. But there's nothing better than rubbing it in someone's face that Daniel Jones just beat your team. Mm -hmm. And we'll see. Definitely looking forward to that game. Now, wanted to move on. Let's talk to the Knicks. Here we go. Bing bong. Bing bong is right, Pat. Bing bong is right. So I guess we'll start with Monday, the Knicks versus the Sixers. Um, started slow, but they kind of they, – the problem with them is that they keep giving up threes, and it's just every game. Every game. We Even if we're losing, we fight back. Let's give up threes. Um, they ended up winning, though. They beat the Sixers. They, they – RJ, I think, played well. I, I liked how they played. But also, the Sixers had no one. They didn't have Embiid. They didn't have Harris. They were playing with a makeshift lineup of their bench, basically, and Andre Drummond. And at some points in the game, it was still close. Do you have anything to add, Matt? I mean, not much. I mean, good win at the end of the day. Um, 
but at the same time, it's like I can't I can't get a feel for what the Knicks' strengths are, what their weaknesses are. I mean, of of course, like I mean, it was evident in the Charlotte game also, like giving up threes is just is killing this team on defensively. Um, I don't know how many times that stupid graphic popped up in the Hornet Stadium that they were drilling threes and all that. Uh, I don't want to jump the gun though. I want to. I mean, what else? Like, what else did you see this Philly game? Um, not much. I mean, it was it was Monday. I don't have much to add. I have a little bit more to say about the Wednesday game versus the Bucks and the game against the Hornets. If I were to say one thing that I thought was pretty cool was Emmanuel quickly and Tyrese Maxey going at it. Mm-hmm. Both um, Kentucky guys both played together, and they have a similar game. And I think Tyrese Maxey, with Ben Simmons out, is really able to flourish, and he's shown, I believe, at, at, in fantasy basketball production-wise, he is ranked seven out of all point guards, which is really good for him. I mean, this is a second-year guy, and I think quickly – can be just as dominant. Maybe he's a little bit more sporadic with the way he plays, just shooting threes wildly, but they look the same. I'd say, I'd say, I'd probably, honestly, I like quickly off the bench, and I want to talk about our bench in the next two games in a, in a few seconds. But I don't know if I'd rather have, I think I'd rather have Maxi because. He's a, more of a young point guard. We don't really need shooting guards. And I think he can control the game better than quickly. Mm-hmm. And I really do think Maxi might have a better career, mostly because I don't think the Knicks are ever going to give him, Emmanuel Quickly, the chance to prove himself as a point guard uh, than just basically having him as that guy who's going to come off the bench, hit some shots, and kind of have more of a six-man type of role compared to starting a game and really trying to become a higher-level NBA player. And I think they'll have to have this development, but the Knicks aren't looking to develop everyone as much right now as they would RJ. And I will say Obi Toppin is incredible. incredible. I love him and Quickly's chemistry, and I love the way he is more – confident about himself than last year you saw that he was pretty scared the entire season rookie year in new york playing in front of his home fans where he grew up and he just wasn't the type of player that you saw playing for dayton in college and i'm excited for him and his future i still see him as a potential trade if we were to go for a superstar like towns or lillard but for now i'm happy to have him on our team and i think um, he's, I think he'll only get better from here. Um, you want to go into the Knicks-Bucks game? Uh, yeah, before I, like, I get into that, though, I just want to say, like, in terms of potential trades, and this is, again, I think I'm getting ahead of myself, um, but after watching the Hornets game, I think it's evident that Julius Randle's best days are behind him. He hit the peak last year, and I think that that trade for – I mean, hopefully we get Lillard or Towns because I we need a superstar. Like, that's the biggest thing that we're missing. I think we have, you know, a solid group of guys, but that doesn't win you championships. You know, that's like, you could be a – that's the difference between a good team and a real team is the real teams have that guy to lead their offense. And just Julius Randle, I just don't think it's the guy. I never – I've never thought that Julius Randle was going to be the guy to lead us to an NBA Finals, a championship. He kind of – 
in my opinion, his play is almost golf-like. You know, having having some good swings, play really well, shoot pretty well, and then, you know, you get ahead of yourself and you start chucking up shots. You start hitting, start shanking shots. You start just reading the reading the greens wrong. And I mean, he's just. He's not as efficient as he was, and he shot really well, but I said this to you at the Hornets game. I said, I'm not confident in Julius Randle taking shots like I was last year, and he still hits them. I do think he is a starter on any NBA team, and he could still be an all-star this year, but we're not there yet, and I'll jump into the Knicks-Bucks game. The, the Knicks lost to the Bucks, 112-100. A little crazy compared to last game when we played the Bucks because, like we said last week, they didn't have their whole roster. They didn't have Middleton. They didn't have Brook Lopez, who I don't think they still had. But they um um they had their team stepped up for them. Yeah, and Bobby Portis basically got some revenge on the Knicks. You know. Just seems like that happens with certain players who like to, you know, leave the Knicks and then come back to the Garden and show everyone that they're better without them. He had 17 points and five rebounds, which is really impressive because he's their starting center right now with Brooke Lopez with no timeable return, in my opinion. I have him in fantasy, so I've just been waiting for him. Um, Giannis was held to three points in the first half. Not that great. And he just... When you know their best player, when you're doing something right, I know you're going to leave people open. And we just ended up doing that. We just, we let, um, we gave up a bunch of threes. So I wanted to kind of bring you back into what happened late in that game. Start of the fourth quarter. We're kind of coming back. And we bring in our bench. Derek Rose, Emmanuel Quickly, OB. Taj Gibson, the guy who would go first if they were doing a blowjob. Taj, Taj would definitely go first. I think we have that confirmed. And then Alec Burks. And they were so quick. They were playing so quick. They were playing with confidence, playing together. And they just kept giving up threes because they were worried about Giannis. And how many times I was flipping out watching Pat Connington hit three after three after three, just going to someone else three-pointer and every time you're coming close and you miss a shot that's it we blew the game right there it was a rough game for the Knicks I you know it's always nice to beat the Bucks. it's always nice to get a game against the top team like that you know even if you're splitting the season series with them but if you can compete with them compete and at that point in the game letting Giannis get a get try and score on Taj Gibson might be a scary thing to see, a scary sight, but it wasn't really working the whole game, and you just stayed with that game plan and let the other players on the Bucks do what they do and why they are the current champions. Mm-hmm. The thing, too, is, like, in terms of just game plan, like, like, I don't see much adjustment coming from the Knicks after these timeouts, like, at halves and stuff like that. Like, the same problems... They linger for the entire game. Like, uh, it's not it's not hard. Like, I feel like if the other team's hitting threes, then that's what you have to stop. Then maybe you give Giannis a little bit more leeway. Like, I get it. You don't want Giannis to heat up. But, I mean, like, again, like, they were just – they were, sit, like, shooting the lights out of the gym, like you were saying last episode. And, like, 
if that's happening to you, then you got to start pressuring out more. Like it's it's like it's CIO basketball we're talking here. And we're a great defensive team. I mean, we showed it last year. Our efficiency mm-hmm. was amazing with Tibbs, and he keeps the players in shape, and he keeps them to where we're able to prevent teams from scoring. And we talked about the additions of Walker and Evan Fournier, and I said that it was going to lower our defense. It really has. It has. We give up. We might be scoring a little bit more, but we still don't have a superstar who's going to shoot the lights out of the gym. Kemba, is, like I said, is going to be on and off. He's going to have his game. Evan Fournier is kind of the same way right now. He's not lights out. We're missing shots, and we're letting other teams hit them, and we're not going to win like that. And it's gonna if it doesn't change soon and we don't kind of start clicking, see, we're going to fall deep in those standings and we're going to be looking for ourselves to be in a play-in because the East is getting better and they are getting competitive. And as you know, the best teams are always have been in the West for a while now. Lakers, Clippers, Suns, great teams. The Heat are good. The Nets are good. The Bucks are good. The Bulls are good. The Celtics are still good. The Wizards are playing out of their mind. Shout out to Brett Lewis and all the Wizards fan out there. You guys are playing well. I don't know how. I don't like Kyle Kuzma and your whole team in general, but you guys are making it work, and you're doing what the Knicks should be doing, which is winning winnable games that you go in there and you're favored to win, and you still lose even when you're at home. And it's confusing, but they're making it work, and the Knicks aren't, and I think we should just jump into the game against the Hornets. Yeah, I mean, for well, first off, we were at – Knicks Hornets. It was an electric game to watch. Um, I think, I mean, Charlotte's a great city to see sports game in. We went to Jets, Panthers earlier in the year. We're now over two in Charlotte. Um, but I did have a great time at that stadium, very nice stadium. Now, Knicks opened up that game. I I don't want to say like perfectly, but they, they opened up great. Kemba was going off in the first quarter. Um, and then, like you said, it's just the inconsistency of the team showed. Our offense just progressively slowed down throughout the game. It stalled. Well, I think the starters completely stalled out on the team. And, like, that was the most evident thing to see is, like, our bench, you know, the starters lost us the lead. Our bench brought us back. Starters go back in, and, like, they couldn't even hit – like, Julius couldn't even hit foul shots. And it's just, like – it's, like, we had so many opportunities to win that game. And it was just – it wasn't – Knicks versus Hornets. I mean, it was it was Knicks versus themselves, and it just it just got like embarrassing. Like, what the hell is going on in the gym? I mean, like our bench would do some electric things. Like Rose had that great play against Lonzo. Um, I think it was who was it? Obi who had that insane dunk to like tie the game back up and like bring us back. They had the Knicks fans going in the stadium, and then the starters come back out. I don't know if RJ even had a point that game. RJ was completely. You know, out of the offense, um, Julius missing missing almost every stupid shot he took. Like, I mean, I just don't get. Also, like, there's no pacing to their offense, and that's like what's evident that game too. There it's is like, no pace. They don't find holes. They so we go to where their bench was, and I said this against the Bucks, and they did the exact same thing. Quickly was shooting lights out of the gym. Obi was playing well. They were. They weren't even having to go up against the starters for the um, for the Hornets. But it's almost like you get to the starters and 
Kemba doesn't really do his thing. Evan kind of Evan just stands in the corner. RJ, like I said, is a slow player, so you you have no speed on that offense, and it almost looks like what a before Lynn Sanity type of Knicks looked like, where Tyson Chandler wasn't doing much besides saying screens. Carmelo was really it was ISO ball, it, and that's what it is with Julius Randle. And if he's not hitting his shots, and we're not hitting our shots as a team for our starters, I don't want to see him in there. Mitchell Robinson looks terrible. I need to talk about Mitchell Robinson. What is going on? Like, dude, Mitchell Robinson, I I think Magic Johnson could probably take Mitchell Robinson right now in a one-on-one. He does not look healthy. The entire time, he's hunched over. He looks like he's going to throw up on the court. Mitchell Robinson is... The only way I can describe it is Mitchell Robinson is Kevin James from the movie Grown Ups. He looks like he's about to fake injuries with the other team. I, I just I just don't know. Like, I mean, you saw it. You 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 leaned over to me during the game. You're like, is he like not healthy? Like, I don't what is going on with the guy? He's so slow. He is basically and when you got him, you were like, This is a guy we could build around as a good man. He'll do his job. He's a good defender. He's he's now he's one-dimensional and he's injury riddled and he's basically a worse Clint Capella and there are so many guys that might not even have his sense of scoring around the basket that I'd rather have because what was it it was uh Mason Plumley was for the Hornets right yeah and he looked 10 times better than him and you know what I know okay so a little bit going off the rails about Mitchell Robinson I want to go into Obi Toppin real quick because we talk about the Knicks Hornets. Obi has a very similar game style to Miles Bridges. And if you guys listening haven't wa- watched the Hornets game or really seen Miles Bridges play, he is, in my opinion, could be an all star very soon. If he doesn't get it this year, he is playing great. He's getting to the basket, he is electric. He can shoot well. He can make his own moves. At the end of the game, he had a spin move for a nice layup on Julius Randle. And that was kind of the last thing I wanted to see at that game was where we were in the lead and we gave the momentum up. And this was a guy who was good enough to take on any single player on our team and make them look silly like they don't even play basketball. And I do think Obi could get there maybe if he gets his shot up a little bit he doesn't shoot bad but he's a little bit younger mm-hmm. and in my opinion miles bridges will be an all-star and as someone as a card collector i will i will be looking into miles bridges's um rookie cards and a lot of his stuff because i only know they're going to go up from here he is number two out of all small forwards in fantasy and you're talking lebron kd a whole bunch of guys who are definitely better than him right now, but he's here and he's proven himself. And it was a really bad game for the Knicks at the end of the day because we, we blew it for ourselves. And, you know, another Nick killer, in my opinion, Kelly Oubre. Where does he get off? Him, Ricky, where do they get off just stepping up and just being like, I want to kill every Knicks fan's dream and make them feel terrible because even when he was getting yelled at by Michael Jordan to not shoot, he shot lights out. He was one of the reasons why we lost that game. I just want to say it too. Like, it just 
Charlotte in general, I am very impressed with that team. Uh, I think that team honestly does have a bright future. Miles Bridges, that, that one little exchange where we traded dunks with them, I think it was Obi hit a dunk for us, and Miles Bridges just completely stuffed one down our throats. Oh, that was electric to watch. Um, if anyone remembers the game correctly, Miles Bridges met Obi at the rim, and Obi was kind of down on our side. He met him at the rim, blocked his shit, got back down the court, they missed, and we chucked it up to Obi, who had a really nice dunk. And then another play later, there's Miles Bridges doing an insane dunk. And that's where I think they're very similar. And I'm telling you, it's a hot take, but he's going to be an all-star. He mm-hmm. is very good, and I am very impressed with him this season. Also, like, just real quick, love him, but I'm going to call him out. Michael Jordan, like, how about, like, stop, like, heckling your own players and start like find the team a freaking mascot super hugo it, that was actually i'm not gonna lie that probably was like just the lack of effort put into the mascot it was actually like what probably makes that mascot so good the um i guess it's a it's a hornet they have that blue hornet um, i never saw a blue hornet walking around i didn't see him there i just saw super hugo took over the reins for the night and then his um dunking buddies could barely dunk a single sh- ball at the halftime performance. It was terrible. I didn't enjoy it. At High Point Air, we had this woman doing, like, we had a dog dunk a basketball that was more exciting than Super Hugo, and we had a woman um, balancing plates on her head, which is more impressive than Super Hugo and his boys passing the ball to each other three times and then missing a dunk. They, they were reenacting old dunks like Vince Carter, and it was the one where he puts his – Full arm in the rim. Super Hugo did not get anywhere close to that. I don't know what they were thinking. Super Super Hugo missed twice, which is probably the best thing that like we could have seen happen. Because you know, if he hit it, it would have been like, oh, that's sick. But like, you know, like I feel like it's a lot of those halftime shows you root for failure. But like the one thing too is like the lack of effort that went into like the design for Super Hugo. Super Hugo was Korean man from Always Sunny Philadelphia in a blue hornet themed skin tight suit. Like that's all it was. It was. It looked like he honestly looked like the Amazing Spider-Man's vigilante costume at the beginning of that movie. Like that was Super Hugo. Like, like if you don't know who he is, look him up. Like, actually, I want to go to more Charlotte games now just for him. But yeah, that was just I. I couldn't believe that. Uh, Pat, you had something to say? Yes. Um, this actually goes out to any sports team that needs a mascot or a halftime show. I have no shame. Go ahead, give me a costume. Give me, give me no clothes. I'll fucking do whatever you want. Like, yo, throw me in the air, put me in a cannon. Let's have fun. Like, fuck Super Hugo. Pack Homer's where it's at. Like, that's all I really gotta say about that. <laughs> I mean, listen, Woody Johnson. I don't know if you're listening, but the Jets kind of lost Fireman Ed. So, uh, which actually he did an Uber Eats commercial, which is absolutely insane. How he got signed for that? They lose him. You know. Um, I don't know. He's just like not like at. I don't think he's at all the games anymore. Okay, I didn't know if he um. There's a fight with Brandon Marshall. Away, and I thought that would have been sad. Um, I didn't know if that's what you were getting at. No, no, he just got really mad at the franchise, and then because like I remember the year we had Brandon Marshall, like I I still don't even know what happened at this with this story, but like Brandon Marshall um and him just started like screaming at each other in the end zone. I still don't know what happened. I have to like look that story up. But then, like, I saw him this year. He made a reappearance in an Uber Eats commercial. I, insane. I, I have no idea how that happened, but, yeah. 
mascots are short and few. We've seen it with Mr. Matt, the love, giving the finger to people. You know, if you're in <laughs> a Astros game a few, when probably eight years ago at this point, you know, we're getting older, um, before they cheated. And when I was actually sort of a fan of Jose Altuve, and their mascot came up to me, and he started shaking his um, frontal area, which was pretty inappropriate for an underage kid like myself, in my face. And I'm a little scarred about that. <laughs> but, you know, mascots are short and few, and I hope we can get some better ones out there. Because I don't know. I Okay, so when we were at the game, I kept calling Charlotte quaint and small. And obviously they beat us, so it kind of ruined my whole momentum that way. But Super Hugo is basically what Charlotte is, a small city that can afford to bring in big players, bring in big names, get people in the crowd. There might have been more Knicks fans at that game. And the only time I, I was going to bring that up, I think there were. A hundred percent. I think at the Panthers game, there were more Jet fans, to be honest. I mean, they didn't cheer as loud, of course, because the Jet fans are just well, depressed. When you're, when you're losing, you don't see your um, team. You don't see your own fans really saying anything but yelling at the referees, yelling at the umpires, really getting mad at your team for being absolute dog shit on a nightly basis. Um, but I guess good for the Hornets. I didn't really see much out of LaMelo Ball. You know, he really didn't LaMelo was like one rebound away, I think, from a triple-double, actually. You know what? He, he had the stats, but he wasn't in the game. Terry Rozier was more in the game mm-hmm. as the lead guard, in my opinion. And I thought... He was probably the least effective starter for making an impact on the game. Yeah, and I mean, D Rose did make him look silly on that one play. That was awesome to see. Um, I think Lamelo's got a bright future, though. I think you know I've seen him make electric plays. I think he's just you know I think he's playing a role on the team, and they're not trying to put too much on his shoulders yet. You know, like they don't want they're trying to they're trying to nurture his career. And that's what I kind of see coming from LaMelo, you know, like they're not giving him the, the keys, to the offense yet. I think he could develop into one of those players, but uh, we'll see. Mm-hmm. I think they, they, they were literally, they've been building a team with miles with lottery picks and they don't have the money to bring in all these big time talents, but they could possibly be a playoff team this year. I don't think they'll make it far. They'll probably be out either if they make the play in or, in a first round exit, but you know, you're bringing Gordon Hayward around. He's not Ooh, that bad. He played great. I think Gordon Hayward, that's the momentum shift. He had a really good like series there for a second. Yeah. He brought them back, and then and then Miles Bridges did his thing. Uh, Melo made some plays for the Knicks because mm-hmm. you should have never been shooting that inconsistent and playing that slow because it makes us a team that last year, like the Knicks are so young and up and coming. It made us look like old farts compared to the Hornets. Mm-hmm, 100%. Who were energized, and even when they were down by a lot, decided to come back and really show that they are a good team. And beating the Knicks is a hard thing to do, especially after last year. And it's only going to be a momentum boost for them going into their next few games. Well, the Knicks actually play tomorrow versus the Pacers, and they are at home. You know they haven't been great at home this year. They um, it's a little it's a little bit of a different thing for the Pacers who started off the season a little bit slow, not very good. They've won two straight. The Knicks have lost two straight. So for the Knicks right now, this is 
buckle up. Let's get a let's get a fucking win, and let's do our shit because we're we need to stay in it with all these other teams. Before we need other teams to slow down before us, and we got to stop with this slow game of basketball through our starters, and then just expecting our bench to pick us up because our bench is Derrick Rose and Taj Gibson, who are great, but they're old veterans, and you know they're not. You can't expect them to go crazy every night. Alec Burks has never been that lead guy. And Obi and Quigley are in their second year. You're asking a lot out of that bench to take on start like a, the starters of the, the Bucks, their starting five, and go up against them. And you're asking a lot for them to go up against a young, fast, healthy, and energized Hornets team and stay with them. But I think Tibbs is just there to keep them in shape and keep us in the situation it's, at this point it's all about our starters it's all about them playing yeah. well and playing faster and getting a groove for actually playing basketball instead of iso ball with julius randall's bitch ass just chucking up shots because he thinks he can hit them when he hasn't been consistent i mean the hornets game too like you said we were still in the game and he had he went one for four at the line in the clutch and I believe it was the second or third game of the season when I think we came out with the win, but Julius missed both free throws and we allowed, I really don't remember what game it was, but whatever the team was, they just ended up coming back. And that was kind of the beginning of this stretch of letting teams get back into basketball games. And I don't know when it's going to stop. I don't know if it's going to stop. It's a little depressing for a team that was the fourth seed last year and mm-hmm. played well and competed with teams. And here we are, back at it, same old Knicks. Losing a Super Knicks. Hugo. We need our Super Hugo. Yeah. Yeah, I mean. Maybe James Dolan's band could play at halftime. I would enjoy that. Mm-hmm. Maybe if the Knicks tickets weren't so overly priced and expensive, I would get the ex- I would get to experience more Knicks games. I think I think we should have, uh, I don't know, who would, a, who would a good mascot be for the Knicks besides Pat? Besides Pat? Well, see, that's the thing. I'd be the perfect mascot because a Nick is just a New Yorker. Put me out there. Yeah. We actually we just, we just create some character. Like, you know, like, yo, my name is Joey Delgado from the deli. <laughs> just, just, just some guy just wear, just to wear a nice flat brim Nick's hat. Just stand on the corner of the court. Just go, forget about it. That'd be pretty good. Crazy. I think we'd like that, uh, especially with how popular side talking has been. You get the guy who's like, the Blasio, you got no street cred. <laughs> yeah. You get that guy standing there, everyone's going crazy. You got Chris Rock, you got Tracy Morgan, Spike Lee. They're dancing with this guy. This guy becomes a New York legend. Pat could become a New York legend, and then we'd be sitting courtside, and then I could yell with Spike Lee when we give up a three-pointer to Matthew Dellavedova, who I don't even know is in the league, but I'm just saying random players because the Knicks like to let random old or just random players just drop a bunch of buckets on them every night. You should a guy who basically just just to stand behind the opponent's bench and just, just soft tackle the opposing bench like, Yo, LeBron, you put pineapple in your pizza. Like all that, all that crap going on. That'd be great. We, we honestly, you know how... Um, the Yankees have like their 
judges like chamber and the people were all the judge stuff and then the mets have this big group of people yeah isles have orange orange blue army we need the knicks need actually just that just a bunch of like italian big new yorkers coming in and just standing behind the bench of whatever team and is just heckling them the entire time with no remorse mm-hmm. it's not like what like we have staten island like <laughs> Why don't they come to the games? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I feel like I feel like we could recruit for that. Um, I mean, I guess hopping off the Nick train, I just want to talk a bit about the Islanders. Not too much to report for the Isles. They only had one game last week where they lost four nothing to the Devils. I'm not worried. Um, that loss sucked, but I'm still at the point where I'm just gonna blame every loss on this road streak to the fact that we've been on the road for 13 or 11 games now. Um, we have two more games coming up. One is against Tampa Bay, and then we have to play Florida again, which Florida is just freaking... Florida is like... Watching the... It's like it's like the Barbarians. Like, they're like the Barbarians, like or the Mongols, whatever. You just know like your little empire is getting sacked when you play them. They're just... They're insane. They're crazy to watch. Um... That's a really hard like way to end this road streak. I mean, I hope we take one of these games. I said from the beginning, if I'll be happy, my goal is to get six wins on this road trip. And I mean, I hope we can put it up at five right now. We just need one more, but you know, two tough games. Uh, another thing too is like I was looking at the standings today. Like, yeah, we're we're pretty low there now in the Met. The bottom. We are third from the bottom right now. Third from the bottom. But however, however, we've only played eleven games. Other other teams have 16 games under their belt right now. And, like, that's, like, basically, like, I don't know, like, is that throwing off our groove or mojo that we get, like, one game a week and then we're just sitting around? Like, in hockey, like, especially in the beginning of the season, like, I want my boys playing together. We have new guys on our roster that we have to get affiliated with Trot's hockey. And it, we're just kind of, like, prolonging this. I think the biggest thing that this road trip has done is now it's prolonging kind of like their adjustment period to playing Islanders hockey because it is a different style of hockey. You know, we don't open up our offense. It's a very defensive game. Um, and then you let like Sorokin get cold and then a 4 nothing loss happens. And that's the biggest thing. And like, listen, I'm not ready to judge a team or anything yet. I'm not ready to get like serious about it. I'm going to blame everything that happens to them right now on this road road trip. But um Hopefully then when we start having some long stands at home, we can turn it around. There's nothing really else to like say right now about the team. You think it's the new stadium? I mean, I know they've been on this road. Have they played yet? They have not played in the new stadium. They have two more games so that I said they go to Florida and then they'll come back and play in the stadium for the first time. But then, I mean, it'll leave them with some long like stands in New York, like at home. I mean, it's always good when your team has a little bit of a break, but definitely early in the season, you want them playing, you want them to catch a groove, but it is early. So they always have a chance to make it up. You know, it seems like they're hitting a tough stretch in their early schedule and the games are only going to get easier from here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like, I mean, I don't see anything like, I mean, our wins have been good wins so far. I mean, the losses we've had, you know, They've been bad losses. I, I, don't, I don't like losing 4 nothing to the Devils. Games like that happen. Sometimes you come out and it's, just, it's not your night. However, like the other losses that we got like be pretty bad this season. One has come from Carolina and one has come from Florida. Where, like, 
those are two like I think top three teams. I know Florida's one, Hurricanes is somewhere up there. They were two for a little bit. I don't know if they fell further, but it's I mean, can't I can't I can't like it's it's just too early to even judge anything on the islands right now. Um, it's frustrating when you you see your offense can't put up you know a goal, but again, like watching Islanders hockey is frustrating a lot. It's just the way we play. But you know, in trust, in trust, I trust. That's all I have to say about them. Pat, do you have anything on the Rangers? Yeah, so just I like how they're playing right now on a three-game win streak. The most, the thing I'm not, I'm not really looking forward for this season. I'm looking forward for the future. I think the best thing that could have happened to us was last season a young team versing what I think is the best division in hockey. And so I think that's going to really help us against the worst teams this year. I think we'll be one of those teams that. I think, honestly, that it's close enough, but we don't quite make the playoffs yet. But I give it two years. You'll be seeing us with those big boys in the league. All right. Now, I know you wanted to talk a little bit about the Yankees. Yeah, let's get into it. So, as I said before, let me just get my little notes up here. We're here. It's time for the winter meetings. I talked a little bit about it last week. And... Although I am not looking at what every other team is going for, who they're looking at, all I can really tell you is that there's a lot of excitement coming our way, I hope. It's hard to see because, I, like I said last week, we kind of were in this spot where we were there to win, and we didn't get that big player. We didn't spend the money like, you're, like we're told the Yankees have been and what they are as a culture, which is spend money, and we didn't do that. And then we ended up with Garrett Cole, and maybe it seems a little too late, but you, but there's a little bit of excitement. Um, Aaron Judge won Silver Slugger. Joey Gallo won a Gold Glove, which is very cool. Um, we, like I said, we have positions of need that are going to be filled out. I, one person that they're talking about is um, Matt Olson from the Athletics. Good first baseman. Had a really good year, you know, he's an all-star. He is 27. He's got a few years left of control under him. Voight, I think, will be gone. And maybe Rizzo is – maybe Rizzo isn't the person we need. I like Rizzo because he's a clubhouse guy and he's here to go. And he's here to play baseball every day. And I think he's durable to an extent. I know he's getting a little bit older. And maybe the durability will not last, and that's why he's not worth getting him. But it kind of scares me with Matt Olson because I know we'd have to give up a lot for him. And I'm not worried about giving up Glaber, giving up Voight, giving up a few lesser-known prospects, even if they are young talent, mm -hmm. because Matt Olson's a good player, and I really think he would help our team. He's another lefty, but he's another lefty that's going to hit 40 home runs, has the chance to. And he's going to strike out a bunch. How much longer are you going to keep that up? You're just going to have Judge. You're going to have Stan, Gallo, Sanchez, him. That's five people in our lineup right there who are going to strike out over 100 times a season. That's too much. That's too much for me. All, yeah. I, all I want is contact hitting, and I want lefty hitting. And that brings us to the um, shortstops. Insane. I like Corey Seager. He's a little he's, – he's a good player. He's a lefty. 
I would enjoy having him in pinstripes. I think he has proved he's been with the Dodgers for so long. He knows what a winning culture is, and he's durable, and he plays a lot more games, and I wouldn't mind him. But now we're getting into talks with Correa, and Correa would be a tad bit more expensive, not that much. They're both $300 million contracts. I don't know. For me as a Yankee fan, it's kind of hard to approve of Correa because there has been such a nasty backlash between Yankee fans and him over the past couple of years. Mm-hmm. Cray is a cheater. Exactly. And it's almost like you're looking at Verlander, you're looking at you're looking at you just you get Cole, you're looking at Maldonado possibly, you're looking at Correa. Those are all people who are on the Astros. And as a Yankee fan, it's like do you want your team to be hypocritical? Because that's where it almost ends up being. We could win and it could be one of the best signings we have as a team as an organization if we're really looking to spend money. But I, and I think Correa is still in his prime, and I think he is the best shortstop out there right now. But maybe adding that lefty bat for Seager is just more worth it in the long run in almost like a DJ LeMahieu type of situation where there were better guys at the time, and we decided to bring in LeMahieu for a little bit cheaper. And he worked out for us, and he has been amazing. And like I said, I will never say anything bad about DJ LeMahieu. He is my favorite player on the Yankees, and I love him. Um, pitchers, though. Wait, hold on real quick. Chris, um, was it Correa this summer that when the, when they were playing at Yankee Stadium, whose birthday was it that every Yankee fan, you could even hear it on the fucking TV where everyone was just, fuck your birthday. Do you remember that game? I mean, at the end of the day, it's either him or Altuve. I don't like Altuve, and I wouldn't take Altuve. And I think Correa has talked more against the Yankees, which makes it crazy. And I don't think that at the end of the day, he might not want to put himself in that situation. But I do think as Yankee fans right now, we're looking to win. We want, we want a World Series at this point. We've been craving it for a while now. And if Correa is going to be the guy to get us there, just do it. Just fucking do it, Brian Cashman. Just fucking pay the money and get us the player we need. Yeah, I mean, I think with anything, like, in any sport, like, solid play, you know, could forgive 99% of anything said in the past, you know? And I think, I mean, yeah, you know, you learn to, like, hate this guy and everything, but, you know, if he starts playing well for the Yankees and getting them some wins, I think – the public opinion on him will flip almost immediately. hundred percent. It's like, it's like the whole, because I'm sorry to cut you off, but yeah. here we are. Once again, this is a guy that we have hated for years now. And I don't want to just be a hypocritical organization when we just flip the switch because this guy is here for us now. Cause I feel like it's not the same scenario as if we even took Xander Bogarts from the Red yeah. Sox. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit different because we've been playing this guy for the past few years, seeing him in the playoffs, and we hate him. And now the opportunity is arising to put him on our team, and it makes us better. But we also we need, like I said before, to do more situational instead of home run hitting guys, and that's where Seager is a better option. That's where I think Rizzo could be a better option than Olsen because he's – when Rizzo is down two strikes, 
He's still not looking for the home run ball. He is looking to – he chokes up on the bat, which you don't see a lot these days, and he hits He hits for contact. Um, Yankees, they also need pitching. I'm excited for Luis Severino to come back. I really think he'll, he needs some winter ball because he looked great coming out of the bullpen when he got back. But for him to be our number two starter like we want, he needs to become that guy again and get a few more – not a few more games under his belt, and I think a winner would really help him. I like Robbie Ray. Um, we were look, we've been looking at him for years, and I do think him or Verlander, because it didn't really work out with Kluber, and I don't know what happened in this year with Clark Schmidt and David Garcia that they fell off the Yankees' radar. Basically, I like Montgomery. We just need to get that. Bo- we need to get the starting lineup in check, and we need to get the guys because all we're doing right now is talking about getting these players and who knows if the organization and the management is going to go after them but if they do it says we're in win now and when they start talking about going into the season who's up there who's going to win and if we added Olsen Correa maybe Robbie Ray and maybe Verlander and then people are going it's got to be the Yankees it's got to be the Yankees right then there. And um, I'll say just the final position that I've been looking at is really center fielder. And I've heard links to Chris Taylor, who's an all right guy, is a little bit more durable. Um, Chantel Marte would be a lot to give up in a trade, which I don't think we would do that. I like Starling Marte. I think he had a great season last year. And I'm not sold on Hicks right now. He is a switch hitter. He was injured all last year, and that contract that at the time I thought was one of the best contracts we could have given him, which was 10 mil a year for a lot, for however long it was. I think at one point you have to go younger with the Yankees, and I think for me, if we don't get a center fielder right now and we keep Hicks for a little, or even if we have Gallo or Judge playing center field a few games, we have Floreal in the minors, and we have him play a little bit, and we get him adjusted to playing a little bit more big league ball, see how he does, and we just wait out till Dominguez comes up. He's the Martian for a reason, and he is going to be exciting when he comes in. Look at Wander Franco. They were waiting for years for him to come up, and he is a, in my opinion, going to be an all-star, cali- all-star caliber shortstop next year. Mm-hmm. Or third, I think I think shortstop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, definitely, definitely some good points. Um, I'm looking at the time. This podcast is going a little bit longer than expected, but one new segment I just wanted to introduce: Patty's parlays. So I think I'm cursed when it comes to gambling. I mean, I think I do. You know, all my research. I think I have a lock and. External factors have been killed me so far. Enter in our new podcast pledge, Pat Comar. I think he's going to, you know, really make me some money. I'm putting my trust in Pat. I will take these parlays. I will bet these parlays. Um, I don't know about Chris and Dylan. Uh, you know, basically seeing if they're going to be team players, but I'm excited for it. Oh, one thing I just want to ask, quick question. So, you know, Pat's giving me the picks for – Next week's games. 
on Monday night, but for the football games, could we, or I'm sorry, Sunday night. Let's say something happens between now and like Thursday. Do I have like, could we change these? Could we like, or like, are, are you setting it right now? I think most, I honestly think these picks are good picks. I don't think, I think only one could change and maybe that would be the Jets, but otherwise I feel good about this. I know what you guys are thinking. What the fuck put our money on the Jets? Just trust me. So I'll start with them. I, the Jets are plus 131 and they're coming off of two losses and I think they're just going to be hungry. We can talk a lot of shit on dog. We can talk a lot of shit on the Jets, but the one thing that you can say about that team is they're dogs. So I think they're going to come out. They're going to they're gonna surprise some people. I think we're going to pull off one last win for the season. I'll be okay with that. Speaking about good teams, though, I think Washington will win next week, plus 132, playing Cam Newton. Not too worried. I think if Washington's defense can apply the pressure, PJ PJ Walker will fold. I don't. I don't think very highly of the Panthers right now. I think they're going to crumble. Yeah, I, I think they're going to crumble. <laughs> Even with Cam back, I think they're going to crumble. He's too injury prone. He comes back and then gets hurt again for a little amount of time. <laughs> Nervous, like, week one of Patty's picks, and I'm already picking the Jets and now with the uh, the football team. So it's just my, my concerns are there, that they're present, but we'll, we'll see. I'm putting my faith in you, I'm taking these. Chung did get injured today, so yeah, he got injured, but they still beat a team, they did beat the box. That is yeah. true. With I think it is going to be one of the more competitive games because I think. The defense might be a little bit slower without Chase Young for the Washington football team. And I do think the Panthers' defense showed that they are electric, and it's going to be a great game to watch, in my opinion. Well, I think the best player on that defensive line who doesn't get talked about as much as Chase Young or Chase Young does this is Jonathan Allen. He's a beast. He's a bulldozer. He's a big dude. He's going to... He's, if he's not sacking the quarterback, he's still applying enough pressure where these guys aren't starters for a reason. Like, they're backups. They're not – like, I know I'm talking about backups and Heineke's also a backup, but Heineke showed us that in extreme pressure, in pressure he can play. He played a great game today. He played a great game last year in the playoffs – he wasn't even supposed to be an NFL quarterback. Like, he was full-on getting ready to, like, what was it, show, sell insurance or whatever. Like, he was not prepared for this. So, I think that's going to be a good game to watch. Um, I think Arizona will win because they lost this week. And Who are they playing? They're playing Seattle. Is Kyler going to be back? I think, um, I think so. Yeah. Him and Hopkins both were out for the week. Yeah, I heard only on the sideline, so I don't see anything. I won't say they won't play. It's a division game. Or no, am I wrong? No, I, I'm pretty sure you're right. Okay, division game. 
It's going to be a good one. Um, a lot of good games coming up this week. What else you got, Pat? So I think an easy lock-in is Tampa against the Giants. <laughs> um, not only because, you know, fuck the Giants, they suck. Um, also, it's just Tom Brady. Fuck that guy, but he's having a year. He is having a year. And like I said before, Daniel Jones is 0-7 in prime time. But there's nothing like the present. Yeah, but I think Daniel Jones isn't the guy for that team. I think he's he would make a great backup anywhere else. But I just want to say that that's that's a hot take, and I don't think we want to open up that conversation right now. Yeah. <laughs> that that's a next week topic. We'll we'll see how he does today. Yeah, we'll 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 save that for next week. But and then my last my last one is New England. I think that they're going to have a great defensive week. I also think Mac Jones is really coming into his own, and also they're versing Atlanta. Like Atlanta was slow today. They're, at one point, they were down 28-3, to which was the score, I believe, from the Super Bowl. It was. Up, and I, Atlanta's Twitter account um, – posted a picture of the score at the time and was like, yeah, we get it, guys. We've seen this before. No faith in Atlanta. Also, fuck you, Russell Gage, for giving me zero points today in fantasy. You suck. Fuck you, Chris Godwin, and fuck you, A.J. Brown, and fuck you, Justin Herbert, for being so goddamn inconsistent. Are you my guy? You're not my guy. Every, every, mm, I'm not, I'm not right now. Yeah, hold on. Quick question about him. Is does he still have long hair? Yeah, he still has long hair. Okay. He's I never pick him. Long haired quarterbacks don't win Super Bowls. That's a statistic. No long hair. Tom Brady won a Super Bowl when he had the flow or no, no, he lost to he lost. No, he he lost, I'm pretty sure, when he had the long hair. He's only one short. Aaron Rodgers, short hair. All quarterbacks who win have short hair. So I would never pick a long hair quarterback to win much. But that's why also Mac Jones, short hair. You could see in college also could read a defense. He can read a fucking defense. Wow, that guy is good. And it's his first year. I see him as already a leader on that team. I think he is the perfect guy for that place. And that's really all I got to say about my picks. Let's hope they hit. <laughs> okay. I mean, I'm very excited to, for this upcoming week. You know, we'll have a lot to talk about by next podcast. Obviously, we won't be able to hit the Giants game till the following one, but we will talk about more anticipation going into it. Um, just a quick rundown. You know, I think it was a good podcast. Um, the Chiefs smoked the Raiders today. Patrick Mahomes had five touchdowns, and maybe he's starting to hit a jump start. Um, I would just like to say thank you guys for listening today. Um, shout out Phantom Fit. Shout out Side Talk NY. Matt, you got anything to add? Um, I guess so. I guess Thursday we'll have Patty's picks up on Instagram for you guys. Uh, also, possible – Scheduling change because it's the Giants playing on Monday. Do you would you want to would you want to postpone the podcast today, release it Tuesday, so we can cover that game? 
Um, up to you. Up to you. Or we can just fucking tweet about it. Because what's next week? That's Thanksgiving coming up, and I might be gone for Monday. I'm a, I'm going home Monday. Oh yeah. All right. All right. So yep. So we'll, 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 we'll we'll have some coverage, I guess, of it because I'll be in the stuck in the airport all day Tuesday. So I guess I'll be just tweet about it and do that. I'm sure I'm sure there's gonna be a lot to talk about then for next week. Um. Anyway, good episode. See you guys next week. Thank you.